Clovercrest Media proudly presents Divided We Stand. Divided We Proudly Stand. We're going to have a little fun tonight. We're going to talk about some terrible things. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. You would have dropped to his knees. You're fired. Starring Joe Aguirre, Brian Forster, and Eric Farron. Very fine people on both sides. I didn't come along and divide this country. I think it's a disgrace. I stand here ready to work with you. Let me talk. Quiet. And we will make America great again. Divided. We stand not as two parties, but as one nation. The Mueller report was supposed to clarify everything with Russia. Obviously, Bob Mueller and the special counsel were getting to the bottom of everything. And they would tell the real story once and for all. They had so much testimony. So many indictments. All of that taxpayer money. What a waste. Such a waste. The Mueller Report. America's national nightmare. A political moment in time where tweets mattered more than facts. A more polarizing tale than Mel Gibson's classic film, The Passion of the Christ. And a surprise hit with, coincidentally, the same audience. <laughs> Could have seen that coming. It goes down in history as a big stinking Friday news dump. It was recommended that one particular news network contact their physicians due to their collective erections lasting more than four hours. Well, happy no collusion day, Tucker. Happy no collusion day. It's a good point. It's a good week for America. It is a good week for the rule of law. Shouldn't you be happy that the president of the free world or the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, wasn't in cahoots with the Russian government to seal the election? Like, isn't that a good thing? There was no collusion with Russia. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. It was a complete and total exoneration. It's a shame that our country had to go through this. To be honest, it's a shame that your president has had to go through this for before I even got elected. It began. And it began illegally. And hopefully somebody's going to look at the other side. This was an illegal takedown that failed. We do celebrate the end of the Mueller investigation and the vindication of President Trump. Now, we told you from day one, this was an investigation triggered by people who wanted to undo the results of the 2016 election. We told you week after week after week that this probe should have never been launched. And Mueller's findings of no collusion or coordination with Russia shows that we were right and the bitter, nasty, anti-Trump forces were wrong. It's really tough to listen to some of that. It really is. One of the toughest Mueller victory laps for me was the Trump OG and devoted family man, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, hands down. We all knew it would happen and it wasn't going to be easy. America's mayor, he's going to be coming out like Ivan Drago and throwing haymakers. Whatever he hits, he destroys. I just ask people to use your common sense. <laughs> If they can't find it, it's not there. Believe me. Where's the obstruction? He does. He does. We stood in the way of nothing. There was no collusion. Three investigations. No evidence of collusion. Who made it up? You heard it. You see? You see? He's not a machine. He's a man. Uh, in this case, we have complete vindication. Mm -hmm. I must break you. 
And now I'm picturing Giuliani getting injected with steroids and running straight up a treadmill while Trump stands next to him stoically like Bridget Nielsen in her power suit. I would watch that movie. I would probably watch that movie. Uh, I want the same haircut, though. The, Trump, the, Bridget Nielsen haircut. The Bridget Nielsen. Oh, that would be perfect. Good that, luck. That would be pretty. That would be perfect. What do you think? Uh, what do you think his team? You get them all with the Russians. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Trump would have any problem with the Russians either. <laughs> Him hitting the uh, hit, hit, <laughs> with the pounds per square. It would be perfect. Uh, you know, all great points. But uh, you know, I was hoping to see some changes. Changes in U's. All right. Changes. <laughs> no. <laughs> too many Rocky Four. Okay, that's tough. There's never too many. Yeah, that's right. Time and time again. Look, Rudy just bumbles his way through incoherent defenses of the president's every move. Who listens to him and says, yep, he's the one that's got it right? <laughs> Whenever I hear him, I just want to smash my face against the desk. He needs to take his cousin-loving self <laughs> and just ride off into the sunset. With that being said, we did get a little inspired this week, I would say, fueled by the potentially soon-to-be-over Quinnipiac University poll, mm -hmm. we polled ourselves and came up with the top five things we would rather see Rudy Giuliani be doing right now. To add to our rankings, comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at DWS News Hour. Be sure to hashtag it with Rudy Fatigue. So here's the top five things we would rather see Rudy Giuliani be doing right now. Number five. Persuading Eli Manning to retire. Oh, that would be great. Yep. And useful. A lot of right people would now. like that. <laughs> yes. A lot of people would like that. Number four, explaining legal terms full time, but into a mirror. I think that yes. would be good. That's where it needs to be. How about this one? Number three, becoming the pitch man for Ancestry.com. Ooh. This is another cousin's joke, right? It is. For his own, for his own reference. Couldn't help ourselves. Couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> number two. Clarifying the Stormy Daniels timeline one last time, you know, for posterity. <laughs> That'd be nice. He could go on a whole speaking tour, this tell you when it happened. Story. You know, yell about Avenatti. It'd be great. Who wouldn't want to see that? And then number one, how about making sure every 9-11 responder gets the care and benefits that a hero deserves? That no. turned, didn't it? Yeah, I didn't see that yeah, coming. That turned. But seriously, why isn't he all over that? Wouldn't it be an easy thing to push and maybe a good way to start unifying the country? I mean, come on, Rudy. Let Trump make his denials for himself. Collusion might not be a crime. CNN and MSNBC, maybe they were unfair. You've got to meet us in the middle here. I mean, come on. I guess what I'm trying to say is... If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. There's one more for you. Giuliani <laughs> makes a strong case for the toughest Mueller report reaction to stomach. But Kellyanne Conway wasn't singing the pundit blues either this week. <laughs> Despite being the human embodiment of a hot mess, even she was able to take some time off from her exhausting job of lying for the president. The president is in a great mood, but he's been in a great mood for a very long time because, as he has said for a very long time, there's no collusion this was a hoax and a witch hunt from the beginning. It really, and I have to say, as the campaign manager for the winning part of the campaign, I resent completely folks tacitly insinuating that some of us would cheat or steal or lie or do anything to cut corners at all, other than to beat the woman who lost and shouldn't have lost fairly and squarely. So the, I, I noticed a lot in the media are trying to move on to policy now, calling me about 
healthcare and drug pricing and the drug crisis and criminal justice reform. And let's talk a little bit about the budget and the economy. Uh, that's great, but we've been trying to do that here for the two plus years we've been here. Well, Kellyanne's loyalty to Donald Trump is second to none. And if you need proof of that, ask her husband. <laughs> Her willingness to jump into the fray and spit the company line should at least give her some ability to flaunt Trump's most decisive victory since the election. But she wasn't going to get cheated to, at a chance to stick it to the fake news media. <laughs> you know she's not getting cheated. But for me, Sarah Sanders probably splits that vote with Kellyanne. Wasn't Sarah Sanders supposed to be retiring soon? When is that happening? I would love to get an update on that. I, I figured this would be a really good chance for her to go out on a high note. You think she'd want that? This is basically Freddie Mercury and somebody to love. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's definitely a huge win for her. Plus, now she might be able to actually go out and enjoy a delicious meal at the most liberal of restaurants Ooh. without the fear of a mob mentality confrontation. Nice. That's yes. Listen to her excitedly tell the media, I told you so about Russia. And if you listen even more closely, you can hear my wife, Jess, making soup for the entire neighborhood. Uh, the report found that they uh, were unable to make a decision that went over to the Department of Justice where they did make a decision. The attorney general followed the legal process. He worked with the deputy attorney general who's been involved since the very beginning of this uh, two year absurdity. And they made a decision that there was no <coughs> obstruction. Uh, so that makes it a complete and total exoneration. I don't know any other way to look at it when the whole purpose of this investigation was to determine whether or not there was collusion. The one thing we do want to be careful about and be clear is that we want to do the right thing, not just for this president, but for all administrations. We want to make sure we're protecting the office of the presidency. We have to look at things like executive privilege. We have to look at protecting sources and methods for the intelligence community. There's just so many sound bites. Our audio department literally transformed into the Green Mile editing those packages together. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired, boss. So Anthony Barr and Rod Rosenstein say that the Mueller report says no collusion. So what happens now? Weekend trips to Mar-a-Lago? Welcome to our brand new podcast. It is called Divided We Stand. I am Joe McGuire along with Brian Forster and Eric Farron. The still secret report on Russian interference in the 2016 election was submitted this past week by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. It's 300 pages long. So Attorney General William Barr's four-page summary has raised some concern especially since the conclusion he reached is the same one he had since the investigation started. Is On his four-page summary, are some of them intentionally left blank, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I think most people, and, and I've seen a lot of people out on both sides, just release the damn thing. Let's Absolutely. just see what this thing says. Let's see what happened, because... And, and I don't know how you guys feel about this in the aftermath. It, you know, it, it, this was disappointing, but if there's no evidence, there's no evidence. That meeting at Trump Tower with Don Jr. and Kushner and Manafort, it, it certainly seemed like if there was going to be evidence of collusion, it was going to be that. And I guess not. When you say disappointing... What do you mean, though? I think that's important. So disappointing for who? Disappointing that there wasn't collusion? Or disappointing that 
The Mueller report didn't have all this bombshell information that we had hoped it would have, but I think it's an important distinction. I think it's important to understand that collusion isn't a, a term. It's not really a thing. I think it's conspiracy, it's legally. conspiracy, and apparently they weren't able to prove that a conspiracy happened. Apparently a meeting where you bring dirt, and I accept dirt in exchange for something, a quid pro quo, if you will, apparently that does not translate to conspiracy. And apparently, if you are the president and you order everyone to lie about it, you go with so far as to write a false statement on behalf of your son, submit that, lie about that, that that's not obstruction of justice. Which is good, because I think it's important that we're able to define exactly what those things are. You know, I'm sure uh, Benedict Arnold, I'm sure he would love it if they would kind of take a look at the at the traitor, what exact. Where exactly does traitor fall? Oh, Benedict Arnold was on America's side in the first place. Yeah. So that's, that's important. <laughs> well, yes. It, 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 it's That's a real traitor for you. <laughs> Steeped in Americana. I'm just saying, look, they, they don't have the evidence. They don't have the evidence. This thing seemed to end kind of abrupt for me. So I just want to see what it says. It's 300 pages. Don't redact it. Just show it to us. Well, yeah, and that's the point I think that you're making. Just show it to us. If it's not there then it's going to be in all 300 pages anyway. And from my understanding is Mueller can give it up, and now he's basically, he doesn't have to make any indictments himself or make any opinions himself. He gives it up, and if the if they read the whole report, all 300 pages, if Congress sees something that they can act on and they want to, they will. But by law, some of it has to be redacted. If there's security information in there, if there's tactical information in there, it has to be redacted. That's what it says. He's been telling them what he's doing anyway. I don't know if you need to redact it. Who are you hiding it from? The Russians seem to know more than we do. But I think you have to redact some. It's not popular, and it shapes the narrative. If there's big sections of just dark ink over top, you're going to wonder what's behind it. But I think you have to redact some of it. You don't know what's in there. Obviously, it makes it hard to know what to redact. But I, I think it's tough to just say, hey, release it all. I think it's tough. I don't think it's tough. I mean, whatever happened, I think we all have a right to know about it. This has been consuming us for two years. And we know Russia interfered in the election, causing him to win, and that that was their stated intention. And it worked out. And so I guess the question is, is did Trump, actively pursue something there that's what we and if the answer is no then great say no we we know there were 82 contacts but if nothing ever came of those 82 contacts then just show me that and i'm good to go and then he's my president how about that i'm not saying we take trump at his word and saying oh fully full exoneration no collusion i was like oh now it's now he's gotta be telling the truth but it's hard to know what to redact if you don't know it's in there but i don't think they can just put the whole thing out there i just don't think you can for security reasons i don't think they will i mean i agree with that point they're definitely gonna if they release the whole thing there are gonna be redactments in it i don't think they i don't think they're gonna well, well Barr's gonna miss the the deadline that the house democrats I mean, had given them is I don't that think, a shocker i don't think it's gonna get, get redacted down to four pages but it you know that, that's a heck of editing down 300 pages down <laughs> yeah. to four the latest poll shows that 50 percent of democrats are disappointed in the Mueller report only 50 yes 28 percent are angered okay 
Most angry Republicans, and yes, most Republicans, sixty nine percent of Republicans said they were pleased with the Mueller report, and they got to choose the word that they used to describe it. And so it's where sixty three percent said relieved. Which means that those people were pretty certain he did something and that they didn't catch him. And now they're like, we're glad he wasn't in the room. (laughs) But we know he did. But we know he did. And again, it's the definition of what exactly is conspiracy. So again, I think it's super important to see what's in there so that we can all once and for all as a country move on knowing full well. Because look at what started this investigation. That the FBI director and the CIA director thought that the president might be a Russian agent. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think that should be lost on anybody. That, oh, they pick on Trump so much, they're so mean to him. Well, the FBI director was pretty certain he was trying to obstruct justice and end the Russia investigation. That's bad for your president. Th- and whether he did or he didn't, it's bad optics. Yeah, and he hasn't been exonerated of the obstru- obstruction, as far as I can tell. What well, he claims so. He claims so, but according to people, so the report, and even I think even Barr's report said it doesn't exonerate him fully of the obstruction. Well, when you just so taking the headlines, you kind of. I do feel like buried. they kind of have to put it all out there for us to see, and maybe it's just a matter of. You know, the Russians were interfering anyway, and maybe they just tipped him up and said, hey, this is what we're doing, and we can share this with you if you want it. He didn't have to be in the room for that either. I mean, he had his son and Manafort and all those other people, like, willing to take the fall for him for that. So, He's like, Don Jr., tell Vladimir, that's great. Now, Not collusion. The only people who were more disappointed by the Mueller report than Democrats were the QAnon people. Y'all know the Q, the, those the far-right lunatic fringe group. They were disappointed? Well, they believed that the whole Mueller investigation was into Hillary Clinton and Obama. Okay. And that when the investigation ended, they were all going to jail. Yeah. (laughs) So. So lost in translation. (laughs) Yeah. Literally 100% of QAnon voters disappointed. One of my favorite comments that I saw on a video this week was, Trump has earned a third term because the deep state messed up his first one so badly. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I hope you'll both join me in <laughs> completely rejecting the idea of a deep state. Are we all? I feel good about that. Yeah, I usually don't pay attention to there's that. There's one government in this country. <laughs> it's incredibly incompetent, and it's tied down in bureaucracy. It's run by the Lizard King. Yeah. <laughs> that might be That might be so. There might be one Lizard King, but I think, I think it would just be the one. Well, you got to ask the questions. There's no shadowy government. <laughs> it's just one government run by idiots who don't know anything. I don't think you and I could agree anymore. If you need proof this government <laughs> is run by idiots, here's the president. So Donald Trump now says that he understands understands the complexity of health care. This, of course, after his party repeatedly failed to repeal or replace the Affordable Care Act. He had me snowed the whole time. But now, (laughs) President Trump says the Republican Party, the one that's so against health care and socialism, is going to become, quote, the party of great health care. Which makes sense because it's just words and not action. So there you go. I've said this before. I will say this again. If the Republicans want to be heroes, if you want to get yourself out of the low 30s doldrum of votes, it might be a good idea 
to do something here. The GOP still does not have their own plan to replace and repeal Obamacare with. I mean, they've had eight, nine, now ten years to come up with their own plan. Arguably 45 years, 50 years. There are 19 Republican states currently suing the government to strip health care away from people as we speak. So I'm curious, Republican Party, how are you the party of health care? Somebody, anybody, give me something. Maybe they're going to be? Uh-huh. Because they got nothing? Yep. <laughs> I don't know, something about our emails? It's got to be. <laughs> but right? Wh- why people, like you said, why would they be trying to repeal health care in 19 states? Like, that was, I know that was Obama's big, big thing was health care. I'm pretty confident that Trump, the only reason he wants to repeal Obamacare is because he thinks it's called Obamacare and it's got Obama's name in it. Right. I, that, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. He, the other day, uh, in a speech in Michigan, said that the average premium is $7,000, which is an outrageous lie. The highest price plan is $6,400. The average is about, I think, $3,300. Okay. Okay. And that's for a plan that doesn't leave you homeless uh, after you've paid your deductibles. (laughs) How do you feel? Which is reasonable. How do you feel about the the mandate to have health care? All right. I know a lot of people complained about the mandate and how awful this thing was and that they would rather just not. They just these people didn't want health care. They didn't want to spend three thousand dollars on health care. Do you know what these people have been spending? Between six hundred and nine hundred dollars for the mandate. That's it. That's what the mandate is. So 30 million people have to have no health care because you don't want to pay $900? You don't want to pay your fair share? That's how it works. Well, you want to opt out? Great. There's a cost to opt out. But also funding for Obamacare was predicated on there being an individual mandate. So you have healthy people putting into the pot to pay for everybody. I mean, that's part of it. And you take out the mandate. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't think Donald Trump still understands how healthcare works. And I think the Republicans He's got a really good brain though. The Republicans know how it works and they don't want to do that because it's costly. And again, you start to run into that problem where you're spending a lot more on the inner cities and the urban areas. And let's be honest, the Republicans typically don't want to send the money there. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. There's one Republican. He knows about the mandate because he set up my state pretty well. Oh. And healthcare's not bad in Massachusetts. It can get overcrowded because of the mandate, people having it and using it for things they don't need to use it for, but that's a whole different situation. It's worked. People weren't happy about it at first, but I don't hear so much complaining about it now. People are always opposed to new things. I, I remember explaining to my mother... uh we sort of broke it down for her because she hates she hated Obamacare. It was the worst thing ever. She was paying a little bit more in premium, but she had a much, much lower deductible. And as I did the math for her, she was saving about $1,600 a year. And her response was, well, I liked it better the old way. <laughs> now, my mother's the kind of person that would pick a nickel up off the ground, okay, and then look around to make sure nobody saw her take it. 
All right? <laughs> that's the kind of person she is. $1,600, that's a lot of money for my mom. She's so opposed to Obama that the idea that his plan could be have been better or or saved her more money seemed outrageous to her. Well, it's the messaging of Obamacare versus the Affordable Care Act. Right. I mean, that's why that was so successful. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think the messaging by the Republicans is so much more effective than the Democrats. I think the Democrats continually find a way to trip themselves up. They can't get out of their own way. When when it's a no-brainer election, they 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 can find a way to lose it. And it and it's it's again, you look at the support for the president and the Republican party, you're talking between like 20 and 35% and yet there's a good chance that this guy probably gets reelected in 2020 now. Well, and you want to talk about democratic messaging. A good one is, hey, you know what, Democrats, you shouldn't be for infanticide. And if somebody's like, hey, aren't you for infanticide? You'd be like, hey, no, that'd be, be a good way to do it. It feel, You would think, because it feels like to me that most people in this country would lean in a direction that the Democrats would lean except yes. they infight so much yes. about those things that they can't if they can't meet themselves in the middle they're not going to be able to meet everybody else in the middle either and i think that drives people crazy and as and i think we saw it in 2016 some of those moderate people were like well trump's kind of talking about that so we'll give it a shot we'll throw the hail mary we'll see if it works obviously it was wrong yeah but i think that's the way it goes people just get sick of hearing that rhetoric out of the democrats that's always about, you know, like the feelings, the emotional stuff. They get too caught up in that, and then they forget about the policy and what they want to do and just rely on that. And people are like, well, what's the answer then? So the Democrats, so when you're talking about, like, for example, the border, and we're like, what do we do with the border? Oh, Cardi B tweets, oh, this is scary, y'all, and Democrats are responding to Cardi B's tweet. I mean, that's everything that's wrong with the Democrats. Well, right just there. like when Tommy Lahern went and debated uh, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler! Is who the Democrats picked for a debate with Tommy Lahern. <laughs> like which Democrats picked her? Right? I, I mean, come on, man. That, that that's ridiculous. The messaging is so bad. Look, look what they've already done with the with the with the Green New Deal. This this uh, dead on arrival in the Senate. They're taking. They're gonna get rid of hamburgers and airplanes and ice cream. Well. You know what? When you're telling, I don't want to get rid of any of those. I no, yes, I'm against the Green New Deal because I want that stuff. Pro, now look, we know hamburgers. we know again that that's not true. That that most of that is nonsensical rhetoric from the Republicans. But you know what? It resonates. And it's good spin. It's great spin. It's great spin for those things that you know that they put in the Green New Deal. They can take that and go. Well, we're gonna we want to break this down to the average citizen. All right. Well, they talk about the methane from cows. Well, here's what they want to do. They want to take away your hamburgers. They want to take away your sugary drinks, and people go crazy for it. But I love when when conservative media look at like for the cows when they look at that like it's a punchline. Like, no, that's factual. That's an actual thing. I know cows have been producing methane gas since the history of cows, <laughs> literally. But that's a real thing. That's like a, a big contributing factor. Well, when you're change. also the anti-science party, right. it's easy to poo-poo all of that stuff. I and like what you did there. Your uh, base uh, is more or less not interested. They don't believe it. They don't buy it. And at the end of the day, 
And I and I find this over and over again with so many good Republican people I know. It just doesn't affect me. I just don't care. Unless you're at the border and you're the caravan. Yes. Then you and, then well, you and again, the president's talking about caravans. Uh, another day, another lie, and it's great that everybody points out the lies. I, I laugh when, when Chuck Schumer and Chris Murphy and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker put out tweets and they're like, we have to do something about this and stand up to the Trump administration. And it's like, that's your job. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to be doing. You guys suck at this. For eight years, for eight years, I was a Republican while Obama was the president. And for eight years, man, they stopped that guy at every turn. It was unbelievable. The Democrats can't do a thing. They get steamrolled every on every topic. It's stunning. And it makes you start to lose faith. That 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 because again, I think their policies right now are so much more in favor of middle class America and for the poor people of America. And they've had a really hard time explaining to the majority of the middle class people in this country that that's the that's the case. And that's why we're where we're at right now. But why when, like, raising the minimum wage? Why wouldn't that be a hit with the middle of the country? Why wouldn't people want to say, hey, I'd like to raise the minimum wage? You know why? Oh, it's going to ruin America. Because of Fox News and the excellent messaging from conservative media. If you wake up and you go out there and you see the real facts, that's what happened to me. I'm telling you. It, 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 it's there for you. It's there for you. When I see people in Alabama screaming about getting rid of the death tax, and they don't even know what that is, <laughs> or that it has nothing to do with them, that it affects the 5,000 richest families in America, and they're chanting. That's all you need to know about where this country stands. Coming up next, we're going to focus on local Connecticut politics. We are broadcasting live from our CMG Manchester studios here in Connecticut. Uh, the state has some pretty serious issues to deal with. Joe Scully, the president of the Motor Transport Association of Connecticut, MTAC, he joins us in our local spotlight. It is powered by CroomsCreations.com. They repurpose wood from old barns. They make signs and really uh, awesome home decor pieces. Really cool stuff. I want to thank them for their support, and I want you to make sure you check them out and show them some love at CroomsCreations.com. Joe Scully, the president at the Motor Transport Association of Connecticut, also known as MTAC, joins us. Joe, it's not even legal, at least we think, for us to have only taxed trucks in the first place. So, at best, uh, that was disingenuous. I mean, I, I think Ned Lamont full, knew full well at the time that that, that wasn't going to be the way things were going to work out, and it's certainly not what they're talking about now. Our industry certainly believes that it is illegal to toll only tractor trailers. There is a lawsuit still pending in the state of Rhode Island. I'll give you a quick update on where that is. Our federation had filed suit in federal court saying it was illegal because it violates the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution. The state of Rhode Island filed a motion to dismiss basically because they argued that, interestingly, they argued that a toll is a tax. And because of that, it should be heard in state court as opposed to federal court. 
this judge agreed. And so he, while he dismissed the case, technically, he did not rule in any way on whether or not it is constitutional to do what Rhode Island is doing. He only ruled on jurisdiction. So our industry has now appealed that ruling. Our industry feels strongly that this is a this is an issue for federal courts. So this is going to be a long, drawn-out process before we have any kind of resolution here. The, the chance of seeing tolls anytime soon is probably not realistic. Well, uh, we certainly hope that is the case. I mean, the legislature is considering considering multiple pieces of legislation that would toll all vehicles. And even if they passed it this session, it would be probably about five years before anybody was paying a toll in Connecticut. But isn't that basically like the judge or Island just kind of passing the buck? If he's like, oh, I don't want to rule on this now. It's actually a tax. It's not a toll. It's not it's not my problem. It's, it's interesting. I mean, we're talking about uh, a charge to use an interstate highway with out-of-state vehicles being targeted for revenue while at the same time protecting in-state vehicles in the state of Rhode Island. All of that, I'm not a lawyer, but all of that screams to me, that's a federal issue. We're talking about interstate highways, uh, interstate trucks, but the, but the judge, and he said it was close for him, he thought it belonged in state court. So our industry is now appealing and and asking another judge basically to to overrule that and say no this does belong in federal court let's get it in federal court and hear the case there joe scully is the president at mtac the motor transport association of connecticut and joe it was my understanding that you can't even just put tolls at the borders because connecticut receives federal funds so the only way to incorporate tolls of course would be to put them into the major arteries 91 84 uh, 95. So is, is that accurate? And, and, and is that right that we would lose federal funding? And I think even worse than that, I think you actually have to pay back what you had received in the past. Border tolls is a non-starter for many reasons. That being one of them, we would have to pay back the federal government. Even if we did it and did pay back the federal government and said, well, that's okay because we're going to make more money than we had to pay back it would still ultimately be ruled unconstitutional in a court. It, that is asking for a lawsuit, again, on Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Everybody recognizes, even the most pro-toll people, that border tolls is not going to happen. Um, also, federal law generally prohibits putting up uh, tolls on existing interstate highways. We are prohibited from doing exactly what the Mass Pike has, which has a series of fixed-rate tolls. The only thing that we could do is congestion pricing. That was a provision that was put into federal law um, as sort of one way around the prohibition on tolls. But congestion pricing, either there's two options for it, peak versus off-peak or dynamic pricing, where it changes every six to eight minutes based on an algorithm. Um, Connecticut, I think, is looking at peak versus off-peak right now, but dynamic pricing appears to still be on the table as well. It's congestion pricing because it terrifies me. It, it like as somebody who is learning about tolling and, and things like that, congestion pricing. So the more people that are on the roads, the higher the toll gets on conge in a congestion pricing model. Is that that's going to drive everybody off the roads, isn't it? To do congestion pricing, you have to reduce congestion on the highway. Makes sense, right? But if if you think about it, we're not proposing to build 
any new highway lanes or new highways or new roads or new bridges. We're just going to send them all onto Route 6. Yeah, we're just going to congestion price everything that we already have. So with that in mind, the only way that you are going to reduce congestion is to make it too expensive for people to drive on the road. They'll go to Route 6 if we're up up here uh, by the I-84 corridor. Uh, down in southwestern part of the state, they'll get off I-95 and they'll get off the Merit and they'll go to Route 1. That is the way that congestion pricing works. I, I, I find it very regressive to both um, people who commute and have to work hard for every dollar that they earn and for small businesses who are going to have a harder time dealing with this than larger corporations might be able to handle it. I don't like when people say necessarily that if there's tolls, which obviously increases the price of shipping, that I don't know. I've seen a direct correlation to that actually raising the price of goods and services. Is Do you have any evidence on, on anything like that, Joe? Well, we actually sat down with some of our members, and I gave them a study that was put out by Connecticut DOT in November 2018 where they had suggested uh, – toll rates, both for cars and trucks, and it was done on a cents per mile basis. Now, in the trucking industry, we have to track every all the miles that we travel in all the states that we travel in. So I said to my members, take your miles in Connecticut, your highway miles in Connecticut, put that together with the suggested toll rates from the DOT study, and tell us what you get. And you know what? Clovercrest Media was, was a great partner in in uh, working with us and our members on that. Um, several of them came in. One company said, you know, they have 40 trucks. This is going to cost them $500,000 a year. Another one said they have 25 trucks, going to be $350,000 a year. These are huge numbers that they those businesses can't just absorb. The only thing they can do to remain in business is to raise prices for their customers, which is gas stations, grocery stores, um contractors on construction projects it's going to make everything in the state of connecticut more expensive how else are they going to find three hundred fifty thousand dollars in their budget yeah it just it just doesn't exist i mean the trucking industry generally operates on on small profit margins um every penny counts and there are not hundreds of thousands of dollars of of padding in a trucking company's budget so um to, to use the gas station example it's going to cost more to get there. So when you when you go to the pump, it's going to cost you more. But not only that, the person driving their car on the highway to get there is paying more to get there. And then they're paying more again at the gas station. This is just, you know, the idea that, oh, if we only had tolls, everything would be would be so much better and businesses would like Connecticut. We have small businesses right now saying this is going to crush us. And rather than fantasize about some business that is not in Connecticut, like Amazon, for example. Let's look at the businesses that we have here in Connecticut that that employ people, that pay taxes, that move goods. Let's listen to what they have to say. According to one of these models, a trip from New Haven to Hartford would be anywhere from about a buck sixty-seven to two dollars and nine cents per trip, depending, of course, on the time of day, uh, which adds up to about sixteen seventy to twenty ninety per week round trip. Uh, and based on the national average of 46.8 weeks work yearly, that's $781.56 to $978.12 per year for middle class 
and upper class Connecticut drivers. People, because I understand they're they're talking about having a discount for uh, low income people, which is great. You know, this is horrible. This is a thousand dollars. This isn't quite what I spend at Starbucks in any given year, but I may have to cut out Starbucks. Pretty close, right? It's pretty close. Yeah, it's in the neighborhood. I'll tell you that. Uh, So yeah, I mean, realistically, not only will will this cost you more because businesses aren't going to absorb the cost. They are going to have to pass some of that on, obviously. Supply and demand, I think, dictates price, but certainly there's there's going to be... And then literally what's coming out of your pocket here. So you're, you're, you're getting hit left, right, and sideways. I mean, just like a small business in Connecticut doesn't have 400000 or $500,000 just sitting in their bank account to, to use to pay tolls, I'm guessing most families in Connecticut... Um, at least outside of uh, you know the Greenwich area, don't have a thousand dollars a year in in extra money in their budget to pay tolls, but so so that number is significant. But I would also say I question the proposed rates. I think the rates are lower than they would be if this happened. And here's why I say that: um, going back to congestion pricing has to reduce congestion on the road. If four cents a mile, which is the number that is most used, if that's not enough to weed out some traffic off of the highway and onto other roads, I think they're going to have to raise the rate in order to stay in compliance with the Federal Highway Administration regulations on this pilot program. So then if it's not four cents a mile, is it is it six? Is it eight? We don't we don't know yet because nobody's ever done this. So that thousand dollars to a family could be. 1500 could be could be 2000 we just don't know which is why we need to exercise extreme caution and and realize that we're not just voting for tolls like other states around us have because actually nobody's done this before so nobody around us has what we're looking at here Joe Scully is the president of the Motor Transport Association of Connecticut. We really appreciate you being here. Now there's a couple of alternative things that that can be done to make some money in this state without taxes. Number one, Connecticut, right now, our tax rates are between 3 and 6.99%. Uh, that last rate's imposed on anybody who makes 500000 annually or couples that make over a million dollars. Connecticut could add two percentage points to the top rate and remain competitive with both New York and New Jersey at 8.82 and 897 and that would make tolls completely unnecessary in this state. That would more than cover what we need. Ned Lamont, who I will point out is a very rich man, will not even consider that proposal. I, yeah, the income tax has um, the the idea of raising it. I think has become very toxic. And to, to be clear, I am not calling to raise the income tax either. Um, that that that's a that's a whole nother discussion. But. I think there is enough evidence out there that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you see these people moving retirees um, or, or even uh, let's, let's say people who work from home and make that kind of money moving to other States. Florida is one that is often referenced. And when you lose that type of money, not only are you losing the income tax, but you're losing what they would spend on, on sales tax. And I think the time has has come when enough people realize we can't touch the income tax right now. That that's the sense that I get in following this. 
Here's why I totally disagree with that. There are more Fortune 500 companies in the state of Connecticut now than there were before Dan Malloy took office. And that was a horrible governor with horrible policies. Okay? There are more billionaires in this state now than there were before Dan Malloy took office. I don't necessarily... Do you know who's fleeing this state in droves? It's not those folks. They're not leaving the Greenwich mansions. They're not leaving the they're not doing it. Don't we have less don't we have less billionaires though in the state? We don't. We have more billionaires. No, really? That's a fact. Yeah. Right. You can look that up I'd if have you to look like. That one up. It's a fact. It's a fact. I believe me. I, I, I looked this up. This is all part of my research here for today. I'm I'm just saying the the money that they're talking about is inconsequential in, in these folks' world. To you, it would be a big jump. It would it would probably blow your mind to see what what kind of money that that two percent increase would be. They could more than absorb it. But it shouldn't be up to the state to determine what's inconsequential to somebody's budget. I mean, if they're a rich person, it shouldn't be up to the state to be like, well, you can afford to spend this much. That's how it works. That's how taxes work. That's what you do. Here, here's the, here's the thing with some of the Fortune five hundred companies too. Um, the state will call them um, in incentives, and it, it, it's I have I never thought I would do this. I have taken to to calling it corporate giveaways. We give taxpayer funded handouts to big corporations to get them to either come here or or please don't leave. Please please just stay here. We'll 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 give you this. We'll give you that, including. The world's largest hedge fund. We we bonded money, so and that those bonds are paid back with taxpayer funds to the world's largest hedge fund, and all they did was like use it to to build a new office or renovate an office or something like that. Meanwhile, we have our small business members paying all their taxes, um, paying payroll taxes, and employing people and moving moving the goods of the state. And so we do. We give these these handouts to big corporations and hedge funds, and then the same government that does that turns around and says, "Oh, we got to make these small business truckers pay more." It really is. It gives folks heartburn. Me, me in particular, I, I get fired up thinking about it. Tell you're fired up. Yeah, but but I'm saying, <laughs> but so but you can't get behind people who own corporations or these hedge fund people paying a little bit more into the till. So that it doesn't affect you and your guys. I, I, I would think that'd be a no-brainer not to try to push you into that direction, Joe Scully. I appreciate you being there. Certainly don't want to pigeonhole you. There is another option. Let's go there so I don't have to force anything on anybody here. Weed. Marijuana uh, seems to be making its way through the legislature here in Connecticut. Uh, there was a big vote past 10-8. It's one of three bills. There's literally three bills right now that would lead to legalization and the regulation of recreational marijuana here in Connecticut. Eric, you live in Massachusetts. I do. Has it? Have you seen a? Have you seen a problem from it? Uh, not directly. Um, it's we're still kind of in the window. We were only fully legalized for recreation while well, shops opened to sell legally for recreation back just before Thanksgiving. The first one, at least in my area, opened. Mm -hmm. And so we don't really know what impact it'll have on cutting costs for certain things that the state pays for. But 
It doesn't seem to be an issue. Not rampant crime, riots. No, not no nothing like that. Gang there, wars are breaking out. There's or... been anecdotal stories from people who say that the area, it's the Northampton Mass area that has the major one, and they say, well, now you can smell weed throughout the town. I don't know how you're going to be able to quantify that. Well, if you're the weed town, you kind of want that smell, no? <laughs> kind of good for business. I don't know. I don't know how you can just determine though that as I'm driving around, it just smells more like weed today because it's more legal. Like people are obviously not just taking it and walking it around. Well, I was gonna. I was just gonna say, look, you know, when when it comes to legalizing recreational marijuana, you you can't be driving around smoking a joint. Right. You're not going to the park. For a for a barbecue and and you're just in the park, you know, taking puffs. That's that's not what we're talking about here. It's for at home, twenty one and older. You're allowed to possess uh, one and a half ounces of marijuana for recreational use. Mm-hmm. It is it is not going to be the end of the world. You're going to be able to tax it. Uh, this could go a long way towards the deficits that that this state continues to run. There's obviously a whole other issue, and we certainly be spending some time on that in the future with the teacher pensions which is a huge problem in this state there's a lot of mismanagement this seems like a no-brainer to me you would think it would be that across the board i think most places should see that as an opportunity to put a tax on something that's not going to hurt everybody and use it for the good no joe as far as MTAC is concerned and truckers and if they were to legalize marijuana obviously that's a whole other issue for your guys or your members I should say they're not all guys so we do have some women drivers we certainly do I I, I saw a whole study the other day uh, that they're seeing an increase in in women drivers because people just don't want a long truck anymore we need we need anybody who can do the job uh, men woman older younger we we need anybody who's qualified and Part of being qualified is you have to do drug tests. You have to do a pre-employment test, and you're subject to random drug and alcohol tests throughout the year. And that's per federal regulation. So that is something that I pointed out to the legislature last week when when these bills were up for public hearings. I said that we weren't necessarily opposed, but this state, if we go there, needs to recognize that federal law is still there. Federal law still says that this is an illegal drug and we have to test for for that and other and other drugs. So whatever they might do, they need to be sure not to penalize any employer for for example, if you test positive, you can be fired. Federal law does not include any protections. So if a trucking company has to fire somebody because they test positive for drugs, in their mind, they are doing the right, safe thing, right? Do we want people driving trucks who are who are high out of their mind? Um, no. I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, my mother told me that all truckers were on amphetamines. <laughs> now, that was a horribly inaccurate thing for my mother to say, clearly, but... How long did you go on believing that? Uh, until 1999. <laughs> so, uh, well, we do test for it now. I don't know what I don't know what the testing was in the 80s, but <laughs> do you have to fire someone that fails a drug test? Is that mandated? You don't have to fire them, um, but if you want to keep them, there's a very strict process that you have to go through. You can't you can't perform any safety sensitive function until you are cleared by a substance abuse professional. And as part of that, you're subject to six additional drug tests before you can go back to work, right? So let's say 
uh, you're trying to get hired. You do a pre-employment test, you pass it, you get hired. You do a random test two months later, you pass that. But after that, if you make a wrong decision and you and you smoke a joint and you test positive um, next time you get random tested, you, you will have at least six more tests after those two that I already mentioned. So you, you can, it is possible to keep your job if you test positive. I would say it's it's unlikely. I don't have numbers in terms of who gets fired and who doesn't based on based on positive tests, but uh, it's not going to be good for you if you test positive. That's yeah, no. <laughs> in most tests, testing positive is not good. I think yeah. that's just a general rule. <laughs> any any final thoughts for us, Joe? What what would you ultimately like to see this state do? What would make MTAC members happy? So. Look, our whenever there's a new tax or a new fee proposal, our business owners want to know: Is this guaranteed to go to roads and bridges? And the way that our system is set up now, it's not. So, like that, w- that's almost one of the biggest things our members would like to see: the taxes and fees that they pay, diesel taxes, truck registration fees, any kind of permit fee, that should be going to fund roads and bridges if it's it's really not we would like to get it there um and and, you know keep the transportation money to where it needs to go well that's where they had a vote about the transportation lockbox but what gets in the lockbox and how do you make sure that what's in the lockbox like you're saying how do you make sure that it actually is used for that well i guess i would be remiss if i didn't point this out yes the lockbox passed with upwards of 80 percent yes votes by folks who went to the the ballots in November, and there's already a proposal to take car sales tax money that was supposed to go there and divert it to the general fund. Right, a diversion is not a a sweep, uh, in according to some people. I think to us, it doesn't matter what you call it; it's the same thing. It's it's taking money that was supposed to go to the transportation fund and putting it elsewhere. This is happening three months after the the lockbox passed. Uh, not a great sign for the future of the lockbox and transportation funding. Complete mismanagement by Connecticut government for a really long time is, I think, why we're where we're at right now. I think that is an accurate statement. Joe Scully, president of the Motor Transport Association of Connecticut, thank you so much for joining us and giving us some insight. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. As Pennsylvania made history this past Monday by swearing in the first woman Muslim to their state house. One Republican lawmaker prayed to Jesus for forgiveness. State Representative Stephanie Borzewick, uh, a newly elected state rep who opposes abortion and loves Donald Trump, kicked off the Pennsylvania House openings prayer uh, by asking God to watch over fellow Republican leaders, including the president. She said, Lord, thank you that he stands behind Israel unequivocally. Uh Here's here's where I start to run into an issue again with Republicans and this idea of, and again, the name of this show, Divided We Stand. Doing stuff like this to antagonize the other party, to continue to uh, perpetuate myths about Muslims or to suggest that if you're a Muslim you don't love America or that you want Sharia law. This whole fake news thing is getting out of hand and the Republicans, again, knowing that their base 
eats that chum up. They continue to do this sort of thing. And the reason it keeps on happening is because of the lack of leadership in the Republican Party. Because certainly Donald Trump is not going to speak out about these sorts of things happening. We're a long ways away from John McCain saying, no, ma'am, he's a good man. Certainly. We're, we're a very long way away from that. Mitch McConnell won't stand up and speak out against the president. It took Lindsey Graham like four days to be like, my friend John McCain's a good man. Well, he was a good man. And I know Donald Trump. Whatever. I mean, really? It's like your best friend and the president's kicking his corpse. And you're like, well, what, what am I going to do? Yeah, he's got to get reelected in, in 2020. It's ridiculous. Again, this... I. It, it, it seems That's pretty more good and more Graham to me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Let's not, uh, let that go unnoticed. It seems more and more to me that the Republicans are kind of going down the avenue of like supervillain. They like that role, I, I, and I'm not comfortable with it. I don't. I don't want to offend anybody who is religious, but she looked crazy. <laughs> the video that I saw of her yeah. doing it, like the way the camera was, at least yeah. it's her and like the one rep behind her and. With her hands were going and looking up at this, like she looked like why people are scared of religion. Yeah, like why people are afraid to go into churches and things like that because they get that's what it looks like. Hanging out with people like this, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Again, you know, you would expect that somebody who is religious or who calls themselves a religious person or a Christian or just a decent person in general that that you wouldn't do things like this. That that. You know, again, I mean, just about every day on Twitter, I see one of those racist videos where some white person, usually a ranty, crazy white lady. Yeah, fix your YouTube settings. Uh, is that what it is? <laughs> I think so. That, that sort of thing seems to happen every, every day. Every day? And I, I, I see them almost every day. I'll start sending them to you if you want. No, thanks. I, 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 I find it appalling that, you know, look, hate crimes are up in this country. And there was that whole MAGA bomber guy. And you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of that going around, and there's really nobody who's 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 got the ability right now to stand up and be like, "Hey, everybody, chill." Which is why more and more, I guess, I'd like to see Dwayne Johnson run for president. Oh my god, I would love that. That would be great. Except, I feel like if you, I feel like he might end up being a Republican. He is a Republican. And registered. I, want, I, want I think that would him. turn people off. I would love to see it, but I think people would be like, with the way that they've done things up to now, people would be like, nope. Eric. It's when you put that R next to him. Eric. What if you if put Trump Donald through a table? Trump, if Donald Trump hasn't turned every single person off of being a Republican, <laughs> well, yeah, how I guess. could The Rock mess that up? I guess you're right. Think about all those Bernie bros. Excuse me, Mr. President. It doesn't matter what your name is. Right? That would be great. I mean, my goodness gracious, it would be great. You're going to need somebody like that. It also helps that he's not just a white dude. If he ran as the Rock He's already the Dwayne people's Johnson. champ. Yes, he's got to be in character. He's already the people's yeah. champ. Yeah, <laughs> he should sense. be the people's president. <laughs> that makes sense. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, look, the... the I, and I don't even mean to make a joke about it because I would love to see somebody primary against Trump. I, I think that would be fantastic. I don't think John Kasich from Ohio was going to do it, which is a shame. Bill Weld's trying really hard. Bill Weld probably doesn't have a, a snowball's chance. Uh, but I, I think somebody's got to do it and, it, and I'd like to see it be somebody legitimate. 
And I'd like it to be somebody we could all kind of get around, get behind. And I think he would be just the guy. I don't think it's going to happen. There's just not going to happen at all. It probably isn't. I think Trump's going to get reelected, actually. You've said that repeatedly, uh, right. and I am almost there with you. I, I feel like it's more and more headed that way. And I'm telling you, if the Republicans were to do something smart, and I know that's asking a lot, but you could fix Obamacare, you could rebrand it Trump Care, everybody gets health care, you guys got it locked down you could for probably the next take eight years. How the Affordable Care Act currently and call it Trump Care, and he'd be for it. Yes. So you'd have that. He wouldn't even know. He'd just right. change it, erase like, the, erase I love the it. name off the it top. It sounds great. Big win for Trump. They would. They could do it. And and I'm wondering why they haven't yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Everyone My worry happy. for the Democrats, though, is they're going to eat themselves up in those primaries. They always do. They need to be running on what they're going to do differently. What's their vision for the country? If they're making it, we're not Trump, you're going to lose. No hamburgers, no airplanes, no ice cream. That's what it's going to boil down I've to. I've been liking some of the things I've been seeing out of Mayor Pete. Did you see where, you see where Mitch McConnell the other day in the Senate tried to force... The Kamala Harris's and the Chris Murphy's of the world to vote on the new Green Deal, and all the Democrats passed on it, and all the Republicans voted it down. Well, actually, Joe Manchin also voted it down. Right, but, you right. Know, well, that makes sense. He's not really a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty-seven to nothing, and all the Democrats uh, voted present or present. Where does Joe Manchin sit at lunchtime? Right in the middle. <laughs> he's like right there. He's like Stephen Glansberg. There's, there's a Democrat to his left, and there's a Republican to his immediate right. That's where Joe earbuds in. Just yeah, yeah. I don't imagine there's too many people trying to talk to Joe Manchin at lunch. I can't imagine. Now, look, there there are certainly villains, and there are like I said, I I, I don't see where the Republicans are are uh, expanding their base with their lack of inclusivity. I also don't see. Again, this idea of being supervillains, uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos this past Wednesday. Speaking of supervillains. Actually defended a proposal to eliminate funding for the Special Olympics. I'm going to let that sit there just for a minute. I want everyone to just, <laughs> just think about that for a minute. She was in front of a congressional panel being asked questions about it. And she actually tried to defend it. That was the worst part. Now, there was clearly a lot of backlash. The Special Olympics get $17.6 million from the Education Department. Again, the idea that they the Republicans don't want to give money to disabled, minority, or anybody who's not in a religious school. That's Betsy DeVos's whole bag. That's what we know about this woman. She's a big fan of the charters. Okay, incidentally, her family and the Trumps happen to be involved in groups who are building charter schools. These Mm. things are uh, huge contracts to build, and they've been shutting a lot of these places down. And then rather than reopen one in that building, they just go and build another $90 million building. Yeah. And they're 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 not paying taxes because they're building it's. It, 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 it's a great profit system for them. So I don't know what where Betsy DeVos truly feels uh, or stands on education uh, as much as she stands for building schools because that just makes them all richer. See, when I look at Betsy DeVos, I sometimes I feel bad for her in the sense that 
she's in a position where she really has no business being in there. Granted, that's not why I feel bad for her, but she's, you know, I'd like to think maybe she's just carrying the company line. So where she come out and said, oh, well, we're defunding the Special Olympics. And Trump said, oh, no, we're not doing that. I've overridden my people. No, you you said that. I mean, it's got to come from somewhere. You don't think Betsy DeVos is like, yeah, I had this great idea to to take money away from the Special Olympics. It's got to be coming from somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure Trump was like, oh, right. First, I'm hearing of it. Yeah, what, why, don't you, why don't you say that first? Because where I did it, that come from? I right. find it interesting that what? Uh, you know, just before the election, at the midterms, when the Republicans got their asses handed to them, mm-hmm. as was expected, just before the election, and with Congress out of session, the president said. Next week, we're going to do a, a special tax cut for the middle class. And people were like, oh, yeah, that's great. And they were like, you're going to have to do a, an executive order because Congress isn't in session. And he was like, nope. Oh, you're just saying that. Just say stuff. So I, I know Donald Trump said that they're going to 100% fund the Special Olympics. And I don't know if I believe that. And I don't think the Special Olympics should either. I wouldn't go booking venues just yet because when that check's supposed to show up in the mail, you might be left holding the bag. You think Donald Trump has a history of not honoring his word when it comes to business deals and money? Donald Trump has a way of kicking the the best people in the teeth at their lowest moment. So, yes. Uh, You know, look. Not fully exonerated, but he's not indicted. So... Again, as a country, I think we need to pick up the pieces here. I think we try to need. I think we need to try to figure out a way to sort of come to compromises and figure out. I I see a lot of a lot of rhetoric uh, on 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 the MAGA side of Twitter, calling for a second civil war. I don't see that in regular Twitter, and, and I and I find that I find that concerning. I, I I really do. I'll stick with regular Twitter. That's yeah. Don't yeah. go. Oh. You don't want to go uh, yeah, on your MAGA uh, Twitter. Yeah, it's that's, not that's, good. A lot of red hats. It's not good. A lot of it's white hoods. A lot of guns. Huh. Yeah. It's not. It's it's not a. Oh, I've never even to been me. to that Twitter. That's a yeah. hard pass for me, Joe. I'll show it to you. It's horrible. <laughs> anyway. Oh, the humanity. The humanity. <laughs> this this country. Uh, I, you know, I'm hoping we can move forward at this point. I think this does nothing for CNN and MSNBC being fake news, uh, having this mother thing turn out to be a big nothing burger like Fox said it was. It only makes Fox seem credible to that 35% that weren't going anywhere anyway. And it's also had, I think, the ramifications of a lot of people like me who think both of these parties are garbage. I don't know what I want to do anymore. I don't know who I want to vote for. I, I, I don't feel like I could trust anybody right now. Except for you guys. So uh, when so are we building good. the bunker in your backyard? It's under construction. Perfect. It'll be built before the wall. That much <laughs> I can promise you because we're not dealing with eminent domain and the Fifth Amendment. All right. Well, that is our very first show for today. Make sure you check us out at clovercrestmedia.com. You can click on the link for our brand new show, Divided We Stand. You could also check us out and like our Facebook page. Make sure you do that. We are super interactive. Uh, if you've got any tips or you, you want to add any other things you'd, you'd like to see uh, Rudy Giuliani doing right now, uh, you could certainly jump in and, and have a little bit of fun with us. Uh, every week, this is our plan. We're going to come right out at you, uh, bringing you these great 
CMG podcasts. There's just so many of them. We've got all sorts of shows again. Visit the website, clovercrestmedia.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at DWS News Hour. So make sure you check us out. We'll be back here each and every Monday with a brand new show. For Eric Barron and Brian Forster, I'm Joe McGuire. Thank you so much for listening to Divided We Stand. <laughs>